Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, titled An Encounter with Jesus by Pastor Walter Arias. The encounter that two disciples of John the Baptist had with Jesus led them to a question. From the question to an invitation, from the invitation to a decision, and finally to an occupation. Let's listen to the message, and may God bless you. Good God, we give you thanks for your presence, to allowing us to exalt you, and for the opportunity that the children are instructed in your word. So the opportunity that we can get here, Lord, and be administered by it, Lord. And that I ask that you speak to us, that you minister us, you comfort us, you teach us, you exhort us, you direct us. And I ask for me the boldness by your spirit to be able to share as it suits, Lord. Put grace in me and put attention in my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lift up your Bibles. Lift up your Bibles. The paper Bible. What a blessing. I'm going to give somebody a television one of these days. Very good. What a congregation that is so nice. And what about your notebooks? Your notebooks. It's so important to take notes. Excellent. Excellent. Now, please go to your Bible if you're so nice. In the gospel, according to John chapter 1. So, John chapter 1. And before they project it, John chapter 1. We're going to put verse 35. And you stay there for a moment and you please pay attention. All of us, all of us that are here, have had a great opportunity, some of time, others recently, and some are just starting a great opportunity. All that are here, we come because there's something that is moving us, that has moved our heart. There's someone that's touching us. We call that grace, the grace of God. It's the calling of God to uh, the heart from where he calls us from different places, different traumas, but he calls us by mercy. And with that, what God wants is simply is to bless our lives. How good it is that we're here. Of all the ages, the children in their classrooms, I see young people, I see families, uh, adults. How good. A gospel for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Say that to the person to your side. Jesus is for you. Go ahead. And the question then, what are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with this with this grace that is coming us, that impulses us to come here to congregate? That for as much as we want to deny something, we know within our hearts that we have something within us that impulses us to seek him. Because that's what happens. That's the grace. I can't explain it. 27 years, I'm still trying to understand it. But there you get to, you discern a little bit. And I want to touch this biblical text. And we're going to speak of three men in particular. The two first ones. But I want us to see there in John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. The word of God says, again, the next day... John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. 
John the Baptist said to this to two of his disciples. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed who? Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, what? Teacher. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. How did he say? Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And this count of these two disciples of John the Baptist, with Jesus led them to a question. Listen to all. This encounter of these two disciples of John the Baptist brought them to a question, and that question took them to an invitation, and then they had to make a decision, and then they entered into an occupation. There's a special sequence there. From a question to an invitation, from an invitation to a decision, and from decision to an occupation. Every one of us seeking Jesus or having that encounter with Jesus, we are exposed to the same thing. And I want to be brief. It's a topic that is very special and very tender. And the first thing I want to see there is that there was a question. And today the topic has a title, An Encounter with Jesus. An Encounter with Jesus. What is the topic today? An Encounter with Jesus. Look at there. It's a personal encounter. A personal encounter with the Lord. It's an encounter that that some of us had many years ago. Some are doing it now. And tomorrow there will be an invitation for others to find themselves with the God, the creator of heaven and earth, the same God made man. And I want to see there in that story. Let us take some brief teachings. The first is that there was a question there. The question that Jesus made to them, that he says, what do you seek? What do you seek? And we go to the verse 38. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what? What do you seek? Say it with me. What do you seek? Now touch somebody to your side and say to them, what are you seeking from Jesus? Say to them, what are you seeking from Jesus or in Jesus? What do you want to find? The question, what do you want? He made that question to them. You already came. Somebody said something to you. What do you want? What do you want? And that's what Jesus does with us. That's what God does with us. And perhaps you haven't spoken to God ever audibly and you've said those questions. But it's intrinsic, this reality, that Jesus tells us, what do you want? And in fact, we all want something. We all want something. What are you seeking? And every person has to decide and has to seek in their heart what do they want from Jesus. And I ask you, Today, what are you seeking from Jesus? What are you seeking from Jesus? Have you thought about that? And perhaps you haven't thought it. 
Maybe simply you're just arriving here and you still don't understand. But if you stop and think for a moment, you're going to see that you're looking for something. You're either looking for peace in your heart. You're looking for healing. And maybe you're looking for your finances, uh, healing in your home. You're seeking something that'll make you feel full and complete. Because when we seek Jesus, that's what we're seeking. We're seeking answers to life. All of us that are here, all that start to draw close to Jesus because there's a calling on his behalf and the question fits and the question isn't whimsical. It's very ample and it's very personal. God has called me from a context. God calls you from a different context. God has called you in a situation or is calling you in a way. He called me in a different way and for other reasons. But I ask myself today, if I understand it, what am I seeking? Because he asked them that. What do you seek? And assuredly, they knew then a little bit more because they say to him, Rabbi, and they were not disciples of Jesus. They became disciples of Jesus. But I want you to understand this. They were disciples of John the Baptist in the school of John the Baptist. They remained there. John the Baptist had his ministry. John the Baptist baptized Hinted in, in people in the Jordan River. He had a style of preaching that was very strong, very strict. He said to his followers, he would call them vipers. <laughs> Generation of vipers. He would say, repent. He had a special preaching. And these two men were of that group from John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist is with them in that act, in, as the story says, Jesus walks by there. And he says, there goes the lamb. And they must have heard the doctrine. They maybe were exposed to the scriptures then. Because here it doesn't show us a lot, but we have to deduce by reason. When John the Baptist says, look, there goes the lamb. Then John the Baptist had discipled them in a thought that what were the signs that they were going to follow the Messiah or how the Messiah was going to be manifested or the signs that were spoken of him, what they could wait from his apparition. If the Messiah came, how he would be manifested. Who is he? What did the prophets speak? And I believe personally that they knew from the book of Isaiah. Because in the book of Isaiah, scripture registers in in chapter 53:7, it says he was oppressed. The prophet Isaiah, 650 years approximately before Jesus, he had already written this prophecy over the Messiah over who was going to come. And it says the text, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. He didn't open up his mouth. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a what? As a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Then it looks, I believe in my heart, that John the Baptist knew very well that scripture and to his disciples, he spoke of the signs of how to identify the lamb that was going to come to give them salvation to the people of Israel and to die for humanity. They were exposed. That's why it's so easily that when we read it and we see so easily, he said, look, that's the lamb. And they followed him. Why did they follow him? Because they knew. They knew something of him. And they call him how? Rabbi. So it gives me the impression that Jesus also had maybe a group of people that they started to listen to him. And he had places where he would able to speak. And they got to know him about his great knowledge. Because they called him teacher. Teacher of what? It's very interesting, right? But what does Isaiah also say? Isaiah described 
in the scroll of Isaiah, it, it spoke about the role of Jesus because Jesus was going to come, how the Messiah was going to come, what was going to be the role that the Messiah was going to fulfill for humanity there in Isaiah chapter 61. Please find it in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 61. Take your time to find it. Isaiah 61, so you could underline it. Chapter 61 in Isaiah and verses 1 to 3. Look there in the Bible what it says. Because Jesus, it's re he's revealed, and the prophet Isaiah is speaking. If Jesus was, if Jesus was Messiah, if the Messiah was speaking, the prophet Isaiah only spoke something of what was going to be the calling of Jesus. And there, in chapter sixty-one, verses one to three, it says, "The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor." He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I ask you then, for a comprehension of this reading, what is the prophet Isaiah speaking of himself or someone else? Of Jesus. He's speaking a prophetic word of one that is going to come with a purpose. And the purpose is this one that comes that is anointed and that is sent to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent to heal the brokenhearted, those that have a damaged heart, the emotions that are damaged to some to proclaim liberty to the captives. Those that are captives are prisoners of situation, anguish, vices of contentions, one that comes to free someone of all this, or all of all this, one that comes to open up the, the jails of their hearts when their emotions are damaged, when their feelings are damaged, when there's hatred in your heart, when you have jails in your heart, and we have people in there, in that heart, and we, we think bad about them, that we desire bad things, I have them there in that prison, people that did me wrong. So what the prophet Isaiah is saying is that there's one who is Jesus, the one that's going to come, in this case, who was going to come in that sense, who had all that power to bring all those solutions to an afflicted humanity. And it says to proclaim the good year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort who? Look, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God to comfort all who mourns. Because we're going to have people that are going to die, right? Our loved ones. And to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you with me? Read it with me. That they may be called what? Trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. That is what Isaiah is saying of he who is going to come. The Messiah. The Christ was going to arrive for all these things that we just read. So when John the Baptist is speaking to these two of his disciples, he's speaking with them assuredly. He had them indoctrinated in the scripture. They were waiting for a Messiah in their generation as well. Other generations have waited and have died. But in the one of John the Baptist, these two disciples, he says, he's there. Look at him. Look at him. That's the lamb. And they reasoned and immediately, everything made a click in their mind, assuredly. That's why they went to seek him, to seek him. So then we, some of us look for Jesus for healing because the, 
book of Isaiah says he came to bring healings and others that they take him out of their prisons because he said that he was going to open up the doors of the jails. Others so that he would set them free from the governmental empires because they were giving an answer so that they would take out of the oppression from the Roman Empire. We also wait that he takes us from the empire of sin that wants to govern us. Others found them for economic or finances that are convenient and others so that they could resolve every type of situation. The question then is, what are you seeking? Because you have a right. Whatever may be the thing that you have, don't think that it's small. Why are you seeking Jesus? Don't be afraid to seek Jesus for whatever reason. Whether it's for a financial condition, well then glory to God. If God put you in a tight position and financially, if God allowed a scarcity in your life so that he could touch the fiber of your heart and you could seek him, then blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's give a hand clap to Jesus. Applaud. If he is squeezing your finances and you're seeking him, then glory to God. Amen. If you're the ones that maybe you lost your house, literally your home, and with that, the house where you lived, if you're, everything is just, your marriage is being destroyed, your marriage is destroyed or finished, and you're here seated, then glory to God. Let us give the glory of God for that. Because if he made that happen so that you seek him, then blessed be the name of the Lord. God calls in many ways. God calls. God uses cords. I say that he uses, uses cords of love and not righteous lashings because God is going to seek your heart. When God is interested in you, he's going to allow in one way or another and he's going to squeeze you in one way where it's going to hurt and how good it is to seek God voluntarily. Are you seeking him? I, I already seek him voluntarily because he made me fall in love. But when he called me to salvation, it was a state of chaos. Everything had to finish in my uh, life. There was no more going down. I hit rock bottom. And perhaps some of you that are here you have bitterness in your heart. Maybe you have hate in your heart. You you have been mistreated by someone. You've been betrayed by somebody. And you want to die. Let me say, that's why Jesus came to bring liberty to your heart. To open up that prison of your heart. To heal that broken heart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And why do you seek him? Whatever that you may be seeking him, I invite you to study your Bible. That who is Jesus? Look for him more. Fall in love with him. Seek him more. Don't be at the sideline. Get in profoundly with Jesus. Then after the question, after the question, what do you seek? He made an invitation. Listen and look. He said, what do you seek? So they came out with a question, doctrinally maybe. And then he says an invitation. He says, come and see. What was the first that they, he did what? He made it. He asked the question. He said, what do you seek? And second, he made an invitation. Observe. Observe. And we see once again in verse 39 in the first part, it says, he said to them, come and see. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, where he was dwelling come and see if you've come close today to jesus if you're drawing close today and you have questions for your life then glory to god for your questions but jesus invites you that you try test him and try him and taste him amen 
Is it true that Jesus saves? Is it true, Jesus? And he says, come, come and see. Come close. Is it true that Jesus makes all things new? Is it true, Jesus, that you transform? Come and see it. Come on and see it. Is it true, Jesus, that you could organize my life? And Jesus, what does he say to you? Come and see it. Come, look. It's a special invitation. It's an invitation to be intimate. It's an invitation that we relate with him. It's an invitation that we embrace him, that we dig deep. It's an invitation to have special time with him. They wanted to know more about Jesus. They wanted to corroborate what Juan, uh, sorry, John had told them. He says, look, there's the lamb. And they said, who is this lamb? Everything that Isaiah says and what they have spoken of us is fulfilled in this man? They had a concern. And Jesus revealed himself to each and to them as he reveals to us. From a personal perspective, your experience with the Lord should be your experience with the Lord. Some of us are going to testify of the personal experiences, but for your edification and to give glory to him. But yours are so valid like mine. Are you with me? Your ex your personal experience with the Lord is so important and so valid like my experience that is personal with Him. There's no experience that is greater than the other. And never let that get into your heart or let that dwell there. Oh, that this person had a, a experience, that this person took him out of, of the prison, that God, he was nothing and God lifted him up. And to me, he took me out of just a cold. Glory to God that he healed you from that cold. And you're going to testify that the Lord took you out of the cold. I had a really bad cold, and he healed me from that. It's sometimes we don't appreciate it. We almost say to God that I want to know how this person gets to know you. And you're almost saying the Lord, so break me that it goes so bad like this person. No, the Bible says, blessed is the person who did not sit in the seat of scorners or mockers. If you haven't tried some, they haven't tested you in so many trials, then be happy that you're a person that is growing healthy and give glory to God because you're growing healthy. That is your testimony. Your testimony for the youth, they don't have to be damaged. They don't have to become nothing. They don't have to become full of vices to know of the Lord. They don't have to go and become thieves or bad people so that God saves them. No, take advantage now that he's touching you, that he's touching you in the way that he is with a tender heart, with a good heart, with a heart that you don't enter into counsel of the bad people and give glory to the God who lives. Amen. I bless the youth. I fall in love with these youth when I see them, when I see Isaac sitting there, when I see the children. Oh, how my heart gets so happy when I see the youth here. I'm so full of happiness. How good that they're in the courts of the Lord. How good it is that they're in the house of the Lord, that they're exposed to the word. Amen. You don't have to become bad to know the Lord. Know him from the perspective of a sound mind. How he took uh, Mary and how he took David and used them. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, from their youth, he kept them and he reserved them for him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So then here is the invitation to observe. And Jesus revealed himself to many, and to some he healed, and those that were around him, he, they saw how he healed some. Because Jesus healed many people, and he didn't heal all, but those that he healed, it was sufficient. 
and others he fed. Don't you remember the story of the 5,000 or the 15,000? He fed them. He instructed others. He taught them doctrine. He showed the way, and he revealed himself to others as Messiah, each one to a different way. Your testimony is very important. Your personal relationship with the Lord has all the validity and give glory to God for your personal situation and continue abounding in that relationship that is personal with the Lord. Observe well. Observe what? Observe the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Did you come close to Jesus? Then observe that salvation doctrine of who Jesus is. Don't take it like a religion because we come from religions where we believe in something because they lifted us there. I invite the youth that are lifted up in Christianity that they dig deep of who Jesus and look into your scripture, into your own Bible to see who is Jesus so you could fall in love with him by your own experience and not because of what your parents tell you. Are you with me? That's why we say, everyone, bring your Bible. Bring your own Bible. Write your own notes. Make it a personal relationship with the Lord. Amen? It's nice that someone tells you, but how good is it that you find out? Observe his love. Observe his love. Many times we don't observe the love that God has for us. Many times we go from being gross people, sometimes where we don't appreciate. We see everything that's bad and we don't see anything that's good. We're capable of that the day goes through and we're breathing fine. And because maybe the, a person didn't come to an appointment and then we're bothered with that, but we forgot that God gave us good lungs in which we breathe every day, that God gave us eyes to see, feet to walk, that God uh, gave us a house with air conditioning. I don't know what, but what it is, is that we're not observing of the glory of God and the care of God, but we're observant of what we're missing all the time. Give that glory to God who lives. Amen. Give it to him greatly and say to the person to your side, observe God operating in your life. Say it to them. Say it. Observe God operating in your life. He is working in your favor. He's working for you. Let us observe the wonders of the Lord around us. I evaluate myself. I look at myself. I have an before and an after. And I go, oh, what a man that was not me. I go, wow, what a great man. I go, what a great God and powerful God. How he changes a person, how he transforms them, how he changes their thought process. Did they brainwash him? Yes, he washed it completely. Completely. Everything that he was, was what he thought, what he believed is taken away, erased, and, and new information is put in us. So beautiful, so wonderful, that doesn't damage, it blesses. It's thoughts of life, it's thoughts of peace, it's things that impulse you to do what's good and what's pure and what's correct. When Jesus Christ is present, you have to be an observant of his glory in you. Be an observant in the glory of others. I see, I look, maybe I'm going to say some num names here. I look at Andrew and Elizabeth like many others. And I say this because they're not here <laughs> this morning. But I seek and look at you, but not to mention your names. And you know I observe you continually. And you know how my heart is continually? Full with happiness and gratefulness to the Lord. Saying, Lord, how you are transforming them. Wow, those men, how you're transforming them. How you're changing that woman. How you're changing that young person. 
I'm an observant of the glory of God all the time in others. One has to learn how to observe God. Come and come close to Jesus, but observe what he is doing. There's people that don't observe the glory of God. The doctor earlier when he spoke, he observed, he saw the whole place was full and they put additional seating in the, he observed that. How good. Others say, oh, there was five or 10 seats. Oh no, the church is almost half empty. They see everything that's, they're observant, but of what's missing. And we have to learn to be observing what is there. Are you with me? Be observant of the glory of God, of what God is doing around you, in you and in others. Amen? I give thanks to God for my son, for my daughter. My daughter's 27 years. She grew up in the faith. Blessed be the Lord. I don't believe that she'll get damaged. 27, she's very prudent with the things of the Lord and her personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I have my son who's 16 years old, getting to be 17, and I see him, how he's getting into the ministerial school. How am I not going to give thanks to God that a young person that I say to him that this is a time for you to study in the ministerial school? And he says, today I'm going. How am I not going to be happy that that young person went in, that another young person that I invited, I said, son, I want you to get into the ministerial school. And he said, yes, pastor. How am I going to see the work of God in that and not be happy about it? Let's be an observant person of the things that God is doing. When I see that nice American person, they're Jake. God saved them in English. Imagine, God saves in English, right? Isn't that curious that God saves in English as well? And Jake, lift your hands. Lift your hand, Jake. Look at him there. He's there with his headset. God is so good that he's saved that American person, yes? When I see Gary up there, Gary singing, he was the one singing God Bless America in the video. How beautiful when God is, how he's saving him. The work of God is so beautiful and so powerful. How good it is when God starts to save a generation, a society. Let's give glory to God for them. Yes, amen. Praise God. This is for Jake and for Gary and for everyone else that God has saved. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. And then after the invitation to observe, it, they had to make a decision. They made the decision to stay. Analyze. They wanted to know, who are you? Where do you? Where are you staying? And he said, come and see. But they made the decision to stay. That's very important because the night took them to Jesus' house. How good it is that the night takes us and we're in Jesus' house. How good is that the life and, and old age takes us into the old into the house of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. How good it is that days pass, years and times, and you say, I continue in the house of my Lord, in the presence of my Lord. I'm with my Lord. He doesn't damage me. He alleviates me. He feeds me. He calls me and give the glory to him that lives. Give it to him greatly. Amen. Praise the Lord. In verse 39, the second part, it says, and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. So the night fell on them. The sun left. I can imagine the conversations like when when you converse and you and you have that you're in good company. You don't want to leave. Does that happen that you don't want to leave? And you say, oh, but I have to go and you don't want to leave. That's the part that they took there. They stayed. They remained. They were delighted. Jesus is, is the way of the Lord are not difficult. They're delicious. 
the table is served, the word is served, you have to learn to receive that word because it says it's sweeter than honey. The word of God is delicious. The personal experience with Jesus Christ is great. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Seek the way of Jesus. Fall in love with him. Remain with him. Break night with him. And when I say break night with him, when I say it's a lifestyle that I'm talking about, that we don't have to go or leave his presence, how great it is to fall in love with the Lord. Amen. They didn't want to leave. That every day would Jesus be better. That's a challenge for the church. That you could get and sing that song that one day we learned, many of us, and it happened, but it has a lot of connotation. A song that says, Yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need. Holy Spirit power. Breathe on me. Breathe on me. Breathe on me. Holy Ghost power. Breathe on me. That's the song that says yesterday's gone. Right? Is that we stay in the glory from yesterday. We stay with something that God done. And my experience with the Lord is new every day and it's renewed every day. Ask the Lord for a new experience. If you feel that maybe you're a little bit outside from the presence of the Lord or you feel that your heart doesn't vibrate so much for him before, then I invite you that once again that you seek the Lord on your knees and you say, Lord, maybe I have left a good custom and I fell away this way. You found me in this condition and and close your eyes and say, Lord, I go back to the place where I kn- first got to meet you. And I do that occasionally and give the glory. Give that glory to God if you're going to give it to him. Clap those hands. Clap those hands. Blessed be the Lord. In critical moments, in determined moments, in situations that are complex, where I find myself wasted away as a song that my armor is wasted away in certain ways I throw myself on the floor and I close my eyes and I pray and I say Lord the same way that I knew you when I knew you for the first time visit me in the place that's a personal experience but I've done this and I bend and bow down and I say Lord visit me in the place and I knew you first and you know what happens to me my heart starts to go to the place where I first knew him in the neighborhood of San Javier in Medellin, Colombia. <clears throat> the garage is there, and I get down there, and I'm here, I'm here, I'm Kissimmee, but in my mind, I'm back to where I am, and I start to pray, Lord, like in the place where I got to know you, and I ask that new visitation, a fresh visitation. Why? Because you need to renew your experience with the Lord. You need to renew it. That experience with the Lord is that it be alive. Give the glory to he that lives. Amen. Clap those hands if you're going to clap. Blessed be the Lord. Do it. Do it. Do what you have to do. But delight yourself in the Lord. Seek the Lord. Fall in love with him. Look to stay in his presence. Don't be absent from it. There in John chapter 6 verses 66 to 67. And I want you in your house to read the context. John 6 but I want you to see the whole context of chapter 6 there's a lot of stories there but there's a specific one that we're going to see 
It's because Jesus there is speaking to them that he is the bread of life. Listen, Jesus is saying to them, Moses gave you manna in the wilderness, but I am the bread of life. And they those disciples that were Jesus said, oh, these words are too hard to understand. What Jesus was speaking was so profound, and he says, you have to eat of this bread. And he's speaking of something prophetically to them. He is speaking of his death, of his surrender on the cross of Calvary. So before these great words, those disciples said, oh, this is too difficult, what he's speaking to us. And it says that they left. Listen, and look, verse chapter 6 of John, verse 66 and 67, what it says. It says, from, read it with me in a loud voice, please. From that time, many of his disciples went back, and what? They went back and walked with him no more. Verse 67. Then Jesus said to who? To the twelve. Do you also want to go away? Scripture also says, that the multitudes would come to seek Jesus, the bread, the fish, the miracles, and there was a moment that they didn't seek him anymore. And Jesus also said, and where are all those that came to fill their stomachs? How tenacious that it not be, that that not happen to us, that we're counted in that group of disciples that before difficult times, we abandon him and leave him but let us be counted as those that remained amen and that continue seeking him are you with me say to the person to your side fall more in love with jesus say it revive your faith for him say it in uh portuguese (laughs) whatever language you want evavation (laughs) your faithation and the last point after making a decision to stay They got into an occupation, the occupation of testifying. Say, testify. And analyzing the text, 41 and 42 of John chapter 1, that's the text, John chapter 1, verses 41 and 42. Look at the text in your Bible. John chapter 1, verse 41 and 42. He first found... His own brother, Simon, who? They're speaking of Andrew. And said to him, he came out of there and he said, what? We have found? It says he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, read it with me. It says, it says, and said to him, say it again, and said to him, we have found, who is he saying this? Andrew to his brother, Simon. He came out of that encounter with Jesus, of passing that night with Jesus. And the first thing he did, he went to look for his brother, Simon, and he said to him, and he said to him, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Read verse 42. And he brought him. Read the two words in red. He said to him and he brought him. How interesting. Then after a question, they go to an invitation that they stay. And after that invitation to stay, now they have the opportunity to observe, and then now they leave, they go to testify. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Judah. Jonah, I'm sorry, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Andrew? Andrew brought 
Peter, or Simon was then, his name changed. And every time Jesus is revealed to us, we have some homework. And look to this person to your side if you don't know them. Take the hand and say, you have homework. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. To the new, you have uh, homework to do. You have a task to do. For the women that came here for the first time, you have a task. Each and every one of you and myself, we have a task. What are we going to do with this great glory in our life? What are we going to do with this so beautiful that in our heart? What are we going to do with this experience? Please pay attention. That personal experience, because that personal experience with God is very important. It's beautiful. It's great. Why are you going to be quiet? Don't be quiet. Speak that it is the experience that God has given you. Your experience, your personal experience with Jesus is so valid and powerful like mine and like the other people. There's no testimony that's greater than the other one. Take advantage because you're reserved from God to give according to His calling from where God took you out of or called you so that you could speak to someone else of Christ. Are you with me? An explosion to speak. Take out all that you have to take out. And maybe you say, I don't have experience. Oh, well, maybe, I don't know if Andrew had it. And assuredly, Andrew, in that time, you don't do the prayer of faith that we do now. Because the prayer of faith has like a hundred years of what we have. Open your heart. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior of life. I ask you that you write my name in the book of the Lamb. That's a prayer that we have practiced. But it's not so long ago that what Andrew did with Peter, he says, I'm going to take you to Christ. John told us who the lamb is we went we stood with him and what did he tell you he told us about his personal experience we stood with him and we said where are you staying and he said come and see he invited us to go he brought us to his house and he had there and he allowed us I don't know what he told them but it was his personal experience and he was so convincing that Peter said where is he and he took him to who to Jesus say to the person to your side your personal experience with Christ is powerful. Your personal experience with Christ is powerful. I ask you, how can God use me to speak to a woman of the pain that is felt when a husband betrays? I can't speak of that because I'm not a woman. Are you with me? That work or that job is for the woman who went through that experience has words of life to transform hearts of many if they go and speak of that testimony. What God did in my life. Look, I was damaged because of this, this, and that, but imagine that God made a work in my heart and that woman starts to speak of what God did with her. Each and every one of you has a personal experience. Those that have been here in hospitals with their children, that experience that you have is yours. This princess, the personal experience that she has on her bed to can comfort many families that have children that have their children in the hospital. They have everything who makes their heart feel better. Is it not true? Of course. Let us testify. Let us invite. What if you say, I don't have experience? I understand. It's the first obstacle that comes like Moses. Scripture says that Moses was, um, that he stuttered a lot. Moses, he didn't speak well. He, he stuttered. And God called Moses and he says, go 
and say to the people of Israel, tell the elders of Israel that I'm going to take them out of the wilderness. And I can imagine that, who am I? Who me? You, 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 saying that's a long conversation. I think God was looking at him like, speak, because I know what you're going to say to me anyway. <laughs> but he used him and he gave him a mechanism and he says, go speak to your brother. He says, tire your brother with that long conversation so that your brother can say quickly what you want to say. The experience of Moses, of the fear of Moses to be used on behalf of God is the same one that happens to all of us. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? And so I went through that experience 27 years ago because Jesus saved me and I knew he saved me. See, I say it every time. I understand that, that spiritual moment, that something spiritual happened within me, that he gave me life, that he breathed something inside of me, and I wanted to read the Bible. I understand that. But I didn't know how to present Christ. But I had an Aaron, because I was in that moment of Moses. I didn't know how to speak of Christ. Are you understanding? And I made use of an Aaron, because God puts Aaron's around us when we don't know how to speak of Christ yet. And God put my pastor, Pastor Nicanor Prada, a person that was expert in scripture, in evangelization, in a spectacular way. So I made a deal with him and I said, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to speak to the people of Christ. And he said, son, son, take it easy. There's not a problem. You invite him here and I will speak to them of Christ. A nice deal of salvation. I would take my friends of those that I could convince by the enthusiasm, by the smile, by the perseverance of whatever, I would take them and I would present them and I would say, I'm going to present a friend. And it wasn't Jesus because I didn't know how. I'm going to present a friend. And who's that friend? Pastor Nicanor, my pastor. And my pastor would receive them the same way that he received me. He would see them. And how would he say? He would say, and all of them would fall because of that greeting. And he would give them the gospel. You don't have to speak well. You don't have to have the doctrine. Maybe you don't have it here yet. But you have your personal experience. Go and speak. Go in the places. Speak in the streets. Speak to your family. Speak to your friends. Speak. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Give the glory to God. Give the glory to God and open your mouth. And just say, look, there's a good place over there where they speak. I don't know what happens there, but someone is applauding and saying glory to God and one jumps and one dances. I don't know what it is, but I invite you. Come to God of Covenants. There's a place where they tell you what you have because I don't know how they do it, but everything that you have, they tell you. Everything that's happening to you. You and I are part of that world evangelization. And within you, there's a powerful power. Don't stop it. Give to your job. Give to your professional job. But don't be entertained in that. Speak of Christ in every place. Now, in time, and out of time. In season and out of season. Because sometimes we get confused. It's, oh, I'm an accountant. I'm not a pastor. Yes, you're an accountant. Because you're going to count the souls that you're going to bring to the house of the Lord. Give the glory to he that lives. Blessed be the Lord. Lift your hands for a moment. Good God. 
I give you thanks for this beautiful people, for this beautiful congregation, Lord, for these hearts that are so tender, so noble. I bless each and every family in your name. And I ask, God, that you put words of life in their lips, Lord, in their mouth, that everything that is stopping them, take it away in the name of Jesus, that they seek you more, that they could be, Father, every power that has had many bound, that had many imprisoned, that that power be taken away in the mighty name of Jesus, and that all of us that are here, that we be the best evangelists, the best teachers, the best pastors, the best apostles, for the glory and honor of your holy name. Bless their, their mouth, bless their hands, bless their hearts, and put words of life in them and the grace that others will want to know of you through the greatness that operates in each and every one of them in the name of Jesus and the church of the Lord says, amen. Give it to him greatly. Give it to him greatly, church. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you and please share with others. Have a wonderful day.